You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the 415ers podcast. As always, brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always. Mark, my man, how are you doing on this fine day, midweek day between the 49ers' uh, last win and extended break and now their upcoming game against the Washington Commanders? I'm doing well, Evan. How are you? I notice our uh, our uh, listeners and, and watchers on YouTube notice a, a different setting for you. I know you're down in uh, San Diego with a little bit of uh, some some family holiday time. So how's, how's sunny San Diego treating you? Oh, it is perfect. I know people are a little pissed today down here. It was only 72 degrees. <laughs> uh, there was not a cloud in the sky, although it was a wee bit chilly, brisk sea air bit. coming off the coast just a little bit. Um, apologize to all of those of you in the background. I think we're allowed to to air Seinfeld in the background for those watching on YouTube. Uh, but yes, Mark, I am in full family vacay mode. Thank you for noticing. That's great. It's great. Yeah, I'm jealous that you're not quite on my vacation. I'm taking some time off next week, but uh, should be should be a lot of fun. And uh, you mentioned Niners on kind of a mini buy, even though this week is kind of a short week because their game is Saturday instead of Sunday. Uh, They take on the Washington Commanders on Christmas Eve. There are three NFL games on Christmas, but most of the the week 16 slate across the NFL is on Saturday where the Niners play. So they have extra time off. They've they've taken some time off to to help their bodies get ready and, and heal and feel better. But oddly enough, their schedule is kind of pushed forward because they don't play on Sunday. Yeah, it is interesting. And look, even though it doesn't seem like there's a lot of stuff, I guess, going on currently with the 49ers, they did. They took care of business against Seattle. They won the division. They're into the playoffs. They own at least the three seed in the NFC. Uh, but Mark, we do have a little bit of news as this episode is preparing to drop on uh, Tuesday late or if you catch it Wednesday before the Pro Bowl rosters are announced for both conferences. And as you might imagine, uh, the 49ers are... At the top, um, due to, of course, their amazing roster this year, but they lead combined all vote getters around the entire football league. So, you know, looking at the 49ers right now, they lead in six different NFC positions when it comes to the fan voting, of course, not anything official. Uh, but Mark, before we dig into that, um, are you surprised at all that the 49ers would be anywhere near the top of any Pro Bowl related type of accolade absolutely not with how many stars this niner team has uh they deserve to have a handful at least in the pro bowl and i know we've kind of gotten to the point uh where uh pro bowl nods don't mean quite as much anymore and I, I know they're still important and, and players care about them they go out to what is it vegas now and and, and have time and spend some time with with family they bring out their the family and, and friends and and hang out in Vegas but with their peers and you know other great players across the league and they have a good time but it doesn't quite mean as much it seems as it has in the past but it feels like it means something to the 49ers of course they hope that they don't participate in the pro bowl festivities because they hope that they're preparing for a super bowl when the pro bowl is going on but i know fred warner he's been pretty vocal about it on twitter and he jumped from what ninth in linebackers all the way to first 
when the the <laughs> last the last uh, Pro Bowl fan vote numbers were released on Monday of this week, and he was on Twitter, you know, talking about, "Hey, faithful, like you got to get me to the Pro Bowl. Like, come on, let's churn out some votes." So, I mean, he was doing a little bit of self campaigning, and it worked out to get from ninth to first. There are, you know, other 49ers who are at the top as well, leading their positions. Nick Bosa, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Christian McCaffrey. I mentioned Fred Warner, also Trent Williams. Uh, there are other players as well who have a very good chance of going to the Pro Bowl, like Dre Greenlaw. Uh, but no, I, I am not surprised at all. This seems to be a group that wants to, to be recognized, and it also uh, is a fan base that is generally pretty public. There are a, a lot of 49er fans out there, and they're not shy when it comes to to voting for their guys. Yeah, and that's why I think it it kind of is representative of, you know, obviously it's a fan vote, but um, it does, I think, indicate just how much talent or names notoriety there is around San Francisco and how much support there is from, of course, the fans. Um, look, I, I don't expect this 49ers team to break any records. You know, we're talking about whether the Pro Bowl means much. Well, I think the most that a team had selected was 12 players, um, which the 49ers could come near, depending. <laughs> I mean, right now, they got six guys in different positions that you just laid out that are leading uh, all vote-getters. Together, they over... They, I guess they jumped the Minnesota Vikings, who were leading, surprisingly, I think, um, all fan voting combined last week prior to Week 15. This week, it's the 49ers. Um, but, of course... The one thing that have, that naturally jumps out to me is, of course, it's no quarterback. Like, obviously, that's <laughs> yeah. a position that you generally uh, try to, you know, associate with how a certain team is doing, how much talent is around him. And it just goes to show when you're looking at all these different names and whether they're, you know, the best at their position or not, who's to say? Uh, although Nick Bosa, I think, appropriately has the most votes by a defensive player overall. Probably at this point, the leader for DPOY, along with maybe Micah Parsons. Um, but Mark, it's just like, just how, it, it, I mean, we know because we watch it every single week, but I think for a lot of people around the country that understand how good the 49ers are, are going to get to sort of put names at certain positions to just how stacked this roster is built um, from the inside out, not, of course, needing a big name at quarterback, even though you'd like to have one in order to make sure that you're, you know, you're a team that's got seven wins in its last seven games and is the reason why a lot of teams around the NFL and especially in the NFC are afraid of them probably come playoff time. Well, let's let's pretend we were having this conversation at the beginning of the season. Let's say, all right, uh, predict you know, which Niners will make the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, you could get a lot of these right. I mean, those six guys that we just mentioned that are leading their positions, McCaffrey, obviously we didn't know McCaffrey was a Niner, but if if we knew McCaffrey was a Niner to start the season, we would predict he'd be a, a Pro Bowler. Juszczyk is an every-year Pro Bowler just because there's not many fullbacks left. Trent Williams, the best left tackle, best offensive lineman, maybe the best player in football. George Kittle is is one of the best tight ends. Nick Bosa and, and Fred Warner, they're, you know, at the very top of their positions as well. So those all make sense. But there would have been one other that you would have thought most likely, and that's Debo Samuel. But Debo Samuel hasn't had the kind of season to where, you know, he probably deserves a Pro Bowl nod. And, you know, he, he missed a game that that second game against the, the Los Angeles Rams 
mean, the Niners still dominated that game thanks to Christian McCaffrey. But besides that, he, he's played in, in most of the games. He's He's been banged up. Uh, he's, he's a little banged up right now as well. He's not a full participant in practice this week up to this point as we record this here Tuesday evening. Um, but you would be a little surprised if you were asked, you know, about Pro Bowl possibilities at the start of the season to learn that Debo Samuel is, is kind of off that radar right now. Or maybe a lot of that is because of Christian McCaffrey's acquisition and, and Debo Samuel hasn't been asked to do uh as much as he needed to do last year. Um, but I think if, if you were to ask 49er fans or tell 49er fans at the start of the year, hey, Debo Samuel is not a pro bowler, uh, they probably would be thinking this team is in trouble and, and not going to win the division and, and maybe might not be in a playoff spot. So it's kind of interesting to think of it from that perspective, uh, how we would have thought about you know these pro bowlers at the beginning of the year because Debo Samuel would be left out. But the Niners have, have obviously been um great even without an incredible Debo Samuel he's still been good don't get me wrong uh but he's unlikely going to be a pro bowler but but kind of interesting to to think about how your perspective changes obviously based on how the season goes your perspective also changes to me on how many of these guys are like homegrown I, I think that's something that stands out to me as well look obviously Williams um use check you know, like th- those guys are coming from the outside. But when you take a look at the amount of homegrown talent and, and look, Pro Bowl is not the end all be all of, of the NFL. I think it's, as we've talked about, it, a good indicator of kind of the, the talent level on your team. But when you also combine that with guys that you've drafted, to me, that's where you tend to strike gold and where you begin to see just how good a team really is because you get those guys early in their career, you initiate and you bring them into the system and you also of course get the added benefit of having them for four years on their rookie deals you know if you look at now john lynch and kyle shanahan going back to 2017 you know right now they're at six full draft classes so the first three draft classes involve the guys that we're talking about which is george kittle former fifth round pick fred warner former third round pick and then nick bosa at the top of the 2019 draft um but a guy like Drake Greenlock could be making his first Pro Bowl this year from the 2019 draft class. You know, looking even further ahead, there haven't been as many guys, I guess, you know, bestowed the accolades of those former classes. But you're looking at a guy like Talanoa Hufanga from last year who might be, you know, involved in his first Pro Bowl. Um, there are certainly other guys worthy of consideration. But, you know, when I'm looking at the 49ers and how they're constructed, even though, yes, you do have a couple of big boy acquisitions and a guy like Trent Williams or others around them, it just really points out and highlights to me how much the, the 49ers have been built from the inside out. And that is really, the core, of course, the key to sustained success. And I think the reason why they're reaping the benefits now of three postseason births in four years, it's because of, because of been how well that they have drafted. Yeah, it's it's those players that you're talking about, those homegrown players, you know, George Kittle, and Talanoa Hufanga and Dre Greenlaw and, and Fred Warner. It's it's those guys that are kind of the, the steady, sturdy base. And then you build up Nick Bosa, obviously, is a big part of, of that group. And then you build off that base with good acquisitions. And that's Kyle Juszczyk. That's Trent Williams. That's Christian McCaffrey. That's, you know, Mooney Ward. Uh, and, and that's how you build not just a quality team, but a, a legitimate 
Super Bowl contender. And with that in mind, I, I kind of want to play a little game with you here. So I think we can all agree six pro bowlers for the 49ers. Those six that we've we spent most of this at time. At least. Yeah, yeah. at least. There, there's six 100% like givens. Those, those guys are in. Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Ustrek, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, and Fred Warner. You mentioned Dre Greenlaw and Talanoa Hufanga. I just mentioned Charvarius Mooney Ward. I think there's maybe another one or two potential guys out there. Jimmy Ward comes to mind, although he did miss some time, and I'm not sure he's played enough games uh, to, to get that honor. But I'm going to set, Evan, the over-under for 49ers Pro Bowlers at eight and a half. So again, those six guys that we are very, very confident are in, uh, in my mind, you have Dre Greenlaw and Talanoa Hufanga are the two most likely after that first group of six. And then you have a couple of guys who who maybe are on the edge in, in Charvarius Ward and in, in Jimmy Ward, maybe a couple of other guys. So eight and a half pro bowlers, Evan, are you taking the over or the under for the 49ers? Ooh, see, this is a tough one. And, and this is where I also do think being a pro bowler is something that is um, important because generally it means you're about a top three player, your position. And so if you're looking around the rest of the DBs in the NFL, hmm. first, of course, you're looking at cornerback. I do think Charvarius Ward would be right now a top three cornerback or, you know, right side, left side, one of the top six cornerbacks in the NFC. Talano Hufanga for me is on the kind of the brink of being a top three safety. I think that he had an amazing start to this season. And I think that he has gotten better, but I think he's also shown some of those kind of hit or miss boomer bust tendencies that played in his favor earlier on this year, making some huge plays. But then in recent weeks has also been burnt a little bit a few times. So for me, I, like that, that to me is going to be a coin flip. I'm going to be optimistic though, and say that they do get nine pro bowlers this mm. year, because the reason being, we see that, Teams that are at the top of their conference tend to be rewarded with lots of Pro Bowl selections. So obviously you have the Eagles up there. The 49ers will be second at the table for me outside of maybe Buffalo when you're looking at overall rosters with tons of guys to pick from. So I would put that at nine. And I might even venture to say you could get a tenth, you know, if you end up with maybe a special teams player or you end up with a kicker or a punter. So there's maybe an extra throw in there. I would take the over on eight and a half. I think I agree with you. I'm a, the original eight or the original six. I think Dre Greenlaw and Talanoa Hufanga get in. Hufanga, you mentioned, had a fantastic start to the season. Hasn't been as eye-popping lately. He still played solid, but he hasn't had as many of those big plays where you know everyone just heads to Twitter and, and tweets out Talanoa Hufanga in all caps. That hasn't been quite as, as common, but I think he's done enough to get in. And then I, I think Mooney Ward gets in. I really think he's had a, a phenomenal season for the 49ers. You are the number one corner on the best defense in the league. Uh, I think almost by default, you deserve to be in. And, and, you know, maybe you get to a point where you just simply have too many 49ers, but uh, I, I, he deserves it. Uh, so I'll take the over as well, but just barely. I think nine, I think that's where the Niners will end up. I'm not sure. I don't think Jimmy Ward gets in because of the, the games he missed. Um, and I would uh, say no to to a special team or, or, or anything of that sort. So I'm saying nine pro bowlers for the 49ers, which, as you mentioned off the top, not a new record, uh, but nothing to scoff at. That's pretty good. 
No, and I mean, you could end up with a situation where they have more Pro Bowl selections than maybe the Eagles, and yeah. that's really something to pay attention to. Uh, we appreciate all of you paying attention to the 415ers podcast, as always, three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings. You can follow Mark on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. I'm on social at egiddings10. Um, you know, Mark, it, it's an interesting time of year because, look, the 49ers are fortunate enough to have wrapped up the division. I think this is the earliest that they have done it since 2011. Um of course, you know, that's a benefit. You get a chance to rest up, load, manage, get set for the postseason while still having your eyes on maybe the two, or I guess technically they're not mathematically eliminated from the one seed, but I would expect, not yet. <laughs> I would expect Philly to, to grab that eventually. Um, but you also start to look at, all right, who's on the horizon? Like what kind of postseason matchups could the 49ers be looking at? Now they could be looking at a potential uh, first round preview this weekend with Washington. And we're going to dig into the commanders in depth on our Friday preview episode. But, you know, right now they're matched up, I believe, with the Giants. Um, you know, at the bottom, you're also looking at the Detroit Lions starting to creep up where people are throwing into the conversation of you who you don't want to see in the first round of the playoffs. Can't believe I've ever heard that about the Detroit Lions before. <laughs> but Damn Mark, ha- have you have you sort of I don't know, begin to, to map out a potential, maybe not postseason path at a you know multiple game level, but who the 49ers could be matching up with in that first week of the playoffs. 100%. I think you have to at this point. I, I don't know if the, the team is as much. I think they are less worried at this point, worrying about who they might play. They'd rather just get the two seed, guarantee yourself two home games if you're able to win that first one, and then... You know, whoever you play, you play. Um, uh, but but I mean, looking at, the, for me specifically, taking away from the team's perspective, uh, pretty clear that you have four options. The Giants, the Commanders, the Seahawks, and the Lions. I think of that group of four, something that, that you just mentioned, honestly, I might be most scared of the Detroit Lions. I, that's it's strange. I mean, they have the best offense of the group and it's not particularly close. Jared Goff is quietly and without really much recognition recognition having a fantastic bounce back season. He does not get enough credit. Uh they have a pretty scary offense. They have some dudes at wide receiver. They recently got Jamison Williams back who was the best receiver in college football a year ago before suffering a, a really bad knee injury and that, that cost him a few spots in the draft in the first, what, like 13 weeks of this year, 14 weeks of this year, he's back. They have Amon Ross St. Brown, who's one of Sun the better, <laughs> most exciting receivers in the NFL. They have like a trio of, of running backs that, that all can beat you. Jamal Williams is leading the, the league in touchdowns. DeAndre Swift is as explosive as any. Uh, so I'm scared of the Lions offense. I do think the Niners will be able to beat any of those four. But if you're a 49er fan and you had your druthers, I think I'd rather play a team like the Giants or the Commanders over Detroit. I'm not exactly sure how to feel about the Seahawks in a postseason game. That just feels difficult to stomach as a 49er fan because you've you've been dealt so many blows by the Seahawks over the past. Um, but I'm trying to avoid the the Lions. They are, besides the Niners and the Eagles, the hottest team in the NFL. So I'm, I'm trying to avoid them. Uh, give me the, the Giants or the Commanders. Maybe we'll get a little bit of a preview 
here this week, as you mentioned. But I got a feeling it's it's going to be the Giants. They picked up that big win Monday night. Uh, that that is gigantic for their postseason hopes, and maybe it's enough to keep them in that sixth spot. But we'll see. That's interesting because well, one, you do know that if the 49ers pull off your prediction and become the two seed in the playoffs, they are at this point looking like they're going to face the Detroit Lions. Like that would be your reward. Yeah. But it's worth it. It's worth it for a second home game, in my opinion. Like yeah, again, I get to that second I, home game. True. I mean, I, I to be fair, <laughs> I prefaced it all with saying I think the Niners will be able to beat the Lions but I think it might be the biggest challenge for them of that group of four. Um, but to me, more important than, you know, thinking for, for the team's perspective, more important than thinking about who you might play and should we try to lose this game? Should we try to get the two seed? Should we avoid this team? And as a result, you know, lose this game. You don't think about that. You do what's best for you in your control, which is win as many games as you can, get the two seed, guarantee two home games again if you win that first one and you deal with who you face maybe it would be a little different if say you know the the eagles were this were this juggernaut and they won their first six games of the year and they were undefeated and and by far the best team in football and then jalen hurts went down with an injury that cost him two months two months and they fell to seven and seven and then they get jalen hurts back for the stretch run and they win games and suddenly they, they sneak into the seven or the six spot. Mm-hmm. And then you are playing that like that's different. It, it's not like the 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 Lions are this juggernaut who is suddenly finding their form because of injuries early in the year. They're not that kind of team. If, if you were if, if that scenario, an Eagles injury that that bounced them down near the bottom of the pile, if that was in the cards, then maybe you start actually thinking about trying to avoid them. But none of those four teams that are possible are worthy of that kind of respect. So the Niners get the two seed deal with who you play. Hopefully you get two home games. No, I'm with you. I, I just, I think it's funny. Uh, number one. Well, I, I have been on the lines for a little bit. I, I do yeah, like you, Detroit. You predicted I, I them they're going to beat the bills. The, yeah. Yeah. I thought they were going to beat the bills yeah. on Thanksgiving. Um, and as much as it pains me to say, I did think they would beat the Vikings. Um, in which they were favored to on the road a couple weeks back. But no, no, no. I I say all this to say, it's just funny how like we'll talk about certain postseason teams and, you know, it's kind of their their threat level to the Niners or, you know, their dark horse ability. Did you know that the Detroit Lions as a franchise have won one playoff game in their entire (laughs) existence? I believe it was 1992. If uh, if the Detroit Lions get to the playoffs, and even if they're just competitive, oh my God, the city of Detroit is going to crown Dan Campbell king. I think he might already be up on the throne. <laughs> he Someone might. just needs to get him a crown at this point. No, it's <laughs> it's like it, it's just funny. I mean, you know, they they have that type of postseason history. Uh, the New York Giants, meanwhile, have you know pretty excellent recent postseason history. We're not we're not going to look at them as a threat, and nor should we. Uh, but, you know, right now, if we're looking at some of the games, I like this is just what I would encourage fans to do is if you can, obviously, if you have the time, I would try to watch some of these teams that the Niners might be facing down the line. Obviously, you want to tune in this, you know, this Sunday for the the one o'clock slate because you want to see Washington. But look, the Lions are or on Saturday. Pardon me. Yes, yes. And then but you're looking at um, 
you know, the Lions and the Panthers could be an interesting matchup. But the one that I got my eyes on, Mark, would be Giants at Vikings. So mm-hmm. New York at Minnesota. And that also could potentially be a playoff preview if the Niners in this hypothetical jump Minnesota and then they would face either Detroit, maybe Washington. But that could be a first round preview. So there's a lot of kind of interesting, you know, regular season tail end. I'm not sure how coaches are going to play it, if they're going to load manage team, if they're going to keep some plays in their back pocket. But there are potential, you know, playoff previews here this weekend on Christmas Eve. So I think what could be really, really interesting. We talk about Eagles, Cowboys know, also. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts injury is something that everyone is going to be keeping their eye on. There's, I mean, I, I know if, if any of our listeners, you know, are in into sports betting in, in the NFL, there was a gigantic swing in the, that line for the, for the Eagles Cowboys. And it was before the Jalen Hurts news came out. So, you know, Vegas w- was ahead of, everyone else in terms of the news and you knew something was up when when dallas suddenly was a favorite you're like what the hell is going on there and then the news came out and it was jalen hurt so we'll obviously be keeping on keeping an eye on that excuse me but we talk a lot about the niners and, and who they might be playing in the first round the niners could also maybe make this more difficult on the minnesota vikings Let's pretend for a minute that Minnesota is able to hold off the Niners and Minnesota gets the two seed. If you're the Minnesota Vikings of that same group of four that we're talking about with the 49ers, Giants, Washington, Seattle, Detroit. If you're the Vikings, who are you most scared of? I think it's also probably the Detroit Lions. You just mentioned a little bit ago, they played a couple weeks ago. The Lions were favored and they controlled that game and won. If if you're the Niners, you you want to beat Washington one to help your chances of getting that two seed. But if that fails and you're unable to get the two seed, but you still hand Washington a loss, that helps Detroit potentially sneak up into the seven spot, and the seven spot plays the two. And who knows? Maybe the the uh, Lions do the Niners a gigantic solid. They upset. The two seed, maybe not even much of an upset based on on how Vegas looks at it, but they upset the Vikings, and suddenly the Niners, despite the fact that they are the three seed, they would still be in line to host two playoff games if they win their first one. So it's not only looking at what the Niners might do in terms of who they're trying to play or who they try to avoid, but it's kind of a a two-pronged thing because on the flip side of that, whichever team you're not getting, the Vikings are getting it. And who might the Vikings be most scared of? It's it's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would... This may come off as strange, but I would be more afraid of Washington. And the reason mm-hmm. is because I think they're the more balanced team of the three. Detroit does have a higher-powered offense, but to me, that can be maybe not completely taken away, but negated and limited by San Francisco's top-tier defense. The one thing Detroit does not have is an ability to stop teams from scoring. They're involved in a lot of shootouts, although they played pretty well against the Jets on the road this past weekend. For me, it's Washington because they have something that the 49ers have not faced, I think, maybe even throughout this season outside of perhaps New Orleans, but that's a dominant front on the defensive side. So a defensive line that is very, very good. Speaking of pro bowlers, they could have three of their four front defensive players in the Pro Bowl, Washington could. And they also have a quarterback that is kind of a dual threat guy. Like, I, I think, I, I honestly think there's a lot of uh, 
Taylor Heineke in Brock Purdy or <laughs> vice versa. <laughs> now, they're both pretty limited quarterbacks, <laughs> but they have a, a uh, similar path, shall we say, as guys that were overlooked for reasons that are a little bit different. Brock Purdy, I think there's a lot more tape on him, so there's a lot more to critique out of Iowa State. Uh, Taylor Heineke, I think, was a James Madison, so he was an FCS quarterback. So he gets thrown in kind of the Trey Lance group of, well, you didn't play major Division One football. So he gets overlooked a little bit, but they're both pretty mobile. They both don't have great arms, and they both find weird ways so far to have won. I mean, Taylor Heineke's first real big stage game was I think in the 2019 playoffs when he almost beat Tom Brady yep. and the Buccaneers or 2020, sorry to me, uh, pardon me. Um, but then also, you know, you look at playoff teams and like one thing also I'll keep an eye on is like, I expect the four Niners to win against Washington, but something you have to pay attention to is if those two, if two teams play a second time in a season and get a chance. And this is why I might be afraid of Seattle a little bit. There is some sort of, I don't know if there's a correlation between losing in the regular season and winning in the postseason, but sometimes you get a better look at your opponent and what they want to do when they dominate you because you know what adjustments to make. The two examples that come to my mind recently are, I think, the Chiefs in 2019. This was the 2019 example. They lost to the Titans in the regular season, beat Tennessee in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. And also to go back, I think it was in 07, the New England Patriots beat the New York Giants in the regular season before losing in the Super Bowl. So I think they're, look, I'm, I'm not saying if, if the Niners beat Washington on Sunday, that that means that, that the commanders automatically have an advantage if they face in the postseason. But I do think with familiarity between the two and having seen them live, I do think the Niners catch some teams off guard just because of how physical they are from the jump. And if you already have a taste of that, I think it would help in postseason play. That's why I would say Washington. Interesting. I definitely respect their defense and especially the front, as you mentioned, uh, you know, getting Chase Young back as well. That's that's extremely helpful. They are fearsome up front, but uh, they're I mean, I, I have respect for Taylor Heineke. You mentioned kind of his journey. He actually played at, at Old Dominion, mostly oh, uh, his, his career there, FCS. I think in his last year there, they actually transitioned to the FBS. But as, I mean, your point still stands overlooked at the college level, not playing, you know, highly ranked college football. Um, and he really only got his shot in that 2020 year because of the the roster, you know, expansion for COVID. He was the kind of the emergency quarterback that stayed away from the team for Washington, the, the Washington football team at the time, um, because uh, you, you needed – in, in the age of COVID, if your quarterback room gets COVID, you know, one player gets it, they're likely all going to get it. You need kind of that safety blanket away from the team to come in and help out for a couple of weeks. And that's what happened. He came in and he played well enough and it was late in the year that they kept with him. And as you mentioned, he ultimately almost beat Tom Brady. So a fantastic story, Taylor Heineke. But unfortunately, he just does not scare me and the rest of that offense does not scare me. I think that uh, the, the Washington defense very well could limit the Niners the most of that group of four. I mean, certainly it's between them and the Giants, the Seahawks and the Lions defense, just simply not on the level of those other two. Um, but I just don't think their offense can do anything against this 49er defense. And the Niners have shown if they need to win a game 13 nothing or whatever it was against the Saints, 
they can do that. And and frankly, I'm not so sure that the uh, the commanders are going to put up many points on the Niners, if any at all, if that situation arises. So I kind of agree with you in respecting the defense, but I just don't think they can they can stick with it offensively enough to really make that game too competitive. Well, we'll certainly find out this weekend, and we're going to dig deeper into that on our Friday episode. This is the 415ers podcast. Download, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, I don't know, whatever people use these days, Mark. Um, <laughs> Evan Kinnings and Mark Grandy with you as always. And, you know, Mark, I look, we're going to keep this this episode a little tighter today, but there are a couple of, of fun things that kind of happened this week in, in San Francisco, 49 in Orlando, whatever you want to call it. Um, one of which was an, an initial leaking of the 49ers rookie dinner. Now, this is a tradition that I assume goes all throughout the league. Basically, you know, rookies have uh, dinner where they all go out. And generally, from what my understanding is, they'll treat the veterans to, you know, an expensive all-out five-star meal. And I think it was Drake Jackson that posted a picture of a receipt that was worth well over (laughs) $300,000 that caught the eyes of many, both in fan, uh, fan ranks as well as media. But then on Monday, Eric Armstead... Of course, one of those veterans I can only assume was at the dinner basically came out and and tweeted, hey, like, you don't really think we would make our rookies pay three hundred fifty thousand dollars, do you? Uh, I don't know if you if you had a chance to look into this, Mark. I kind of think that I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more with the rookies, actually. It, it might shock you. I know that Eric Armstead came out and, and refuted it. I I almost I want to believe that they did make the rookies pay a combined three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Well, I mean, Eric. So Armstead came out on Twitter uh, on Monday, and and wrote, "Y'all silly quote, y'all silly. If you thought a dinner can cost three hundred k, it was a prank. The waitress went overboard. The dinner was more like seven thousand five hundred dollars. Me and two other vets gave one thousand towards it. The rooks then split forty five hundred. We had a great time too. I had good vets as a young player." I would never do a rookie like that. So I, I thought it was a great prank. I mean, I, I imagine Armstead and the other vets, I, I don't believe the, the waitress did this on her own, uh, but the rookies, or pardon me, the vets got together with the, their waitress at whatever restaurant they were at and said, hey, let's pull a fast one on the rooks. I don't know. I like it. It's this classic rookie hazing. And if if Armstead's numbers are true, you know, the, the bill was actually more so around 7,500 each vet, you know, paid a thousand towards it. So the rooks had to split 4,500. I mean, that's fine. It's, it's still a big bill for the rookies, $4,500. And even though they are rookies, they're still being paid pretty handsomely. They can definitely afford it. I like it. I think it's all good natured fun. And it's something that happens in these kind of locker rooms all the time. Armstead said it, it something similar happened to him when he was a rookie. It's just what veterans do. I'm fine with it. Okay, so then I got got because not not that I thought that the bill was supposed to be like Could you imagine. <laughs> see, see, but this is the thing though. Like, I can't, but I also don't make the kind of money that these players do. True. So, I, I think there was a story back in the day about um, Philip Rivers going out to one of his rookie dinners, and his draft class was a pretty. Uh, 
his draft class and uh, the one after, which would have been Sean Merriman and who else would have been in the first round? Anyways, guys that were making a lot of money off the top. And so they went out with, you know, like a Ladanian Tomlinson, Lorenzo <laughs> Neal, who works with, with us at 95.7 The Game. Shout out. And there was a bill that resembled one much larger than the $7,500 or $4,500 figure that Armstead was throwing out. So and that was back in the day. Exactly. That, that's my point. So maybe things have gotten a little bit softer. Maybe things have dialed back a little bit when it comes to the rookie haze. And it's more about the prank that Armstead is talking about. But I, there's just something deep down, Mark, that makes me think that these guys ran up a bill a lot larger than is than is being reported because that's just kind of what you do. Like, I feel like it's it's known that rookies are going to have to pay in various ways, not just monetarily, but pay for being first year players in this club. So look, maybe it was just forty five hundred. Maybe it was all well fun. That's a great thought out prank if it is. But I don't know. I'm still I got to do some detective work, get my Carmen San Diego on. Well, yeah, we need a little bit more details here because based on what Armstead tweeted, there were three veterans that each paid a thousand dollars. So I think we can safely assume they were rookies and then three vets. The Niners on their roster, as it stands right now, have 15 rookies. But also keep in mind, none of them were drafted in the first round. So none of them got a, a first round check. I mean, they're still getting paid a good amount. And a lot of those 15 are undrafted guys. I mean, Jordan Mason, undrafted running back, who's who's getting some run for the 49ers. Again, you're in the NFL, even if you're just on a practice squad, you're making good money. And, and you, along with your 14 other rookies, can split a bill, you know, around $4,500 or, or whatever the number came out to be. But I, I, before I think we draw conclusions, we need to know, were all 15 of the rookies present at this dinner are they splitting it 15 ways? Does Drake Jackson being the, the top pick in the second round, does he, you know, pay for a, a larger proportion of it? I don't know. We need more details before we can draw a conclusion. But I agree. The fact that the, the number that the Niners decided to prank them was upwards of $300,000. In reality, the check was for 7500 that's a gigantic number to jump from. So maybe it's a little bit more than the 7,500 uh, Armstead is telling us about. Yeah, I guess I'm in just more inclined to believe it's in the middle. Uh, I don't... Er, wait, wasn't Eric Armstead like Walter Payton in the man? Uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee? He is, yeah. Yeah, so maybe he is that good of a guy. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you know what but, they say about us Oregon guys, Evan? Us? Yeah, okay. <laughs> If you couldn't tell everyone by the by the end, if, if there's one thing you got to learn about Grandy by the end of every episode, it is that he went to the University of Oregon and will make a. I, I feel like you've been good at you've been good recently, but there's been at least like six or seven duck references in the last couple of weeks oh. that I. Oh, they they just when, send me. Whenever you someone says, "Oh, Diamador Lenore playing great football right now," or when everyone says Eric Armstead just a. a a great bull rush up the middle. I have to fight back the urge to just scream go ducks. So I do that for <laughs> your benefit. I, I fight it for you. So you don't have to deal with it as often as, as I would be doing it. If I just, you know, let loose. It's, it's built into him at the, at this point. <laughs> um, 
the other thing, well, so we're talking about rookies that may or may not have been present. Of course, Brock Purdy is one of those rookies. True. Now, what I am curious, and I don't know if this factors into the bill that was paid or not paid, allegedly, the fact that Brock Purdy and his jersey, the number 13 for the San Francisco 49ers, has been flying off the shelves at a rate unknown to man, Mark, because apparently... Everyone obviously wants to get some Brock Purdy jerseys for Christmas. Got the holiday coming up on Sunday game on Saturday. It was reported that these jerseys have basically run out. So this week on Monday before the Thursday game, uh, Brock, pardon me, last week before the Thursday game, Brock Purdy's name was the most Googled quarterback in the NFL because people were trying to find his jersey. After the Thursday game, it became the top-selling jersey by, I think it's like Fanatics or NFL.com, whatever their partnership is, to the point where now the vice president of marketing for the 49ers is saying, we have just got some jerseys in. We're just getting them on the shelves. But it sounds like the only place you can get them is at Levi's Stadium. So I don't know how much of the proceeds Brock Purdy is seeing, uh, but this guy, Mark, is not just the most popular quarterback in San Francisco, he's quickly becoming, it sounds like, one of the more popular quarterbacks around the NFL. He is. It's wild. Um, and, you know, you're talking about Brock Purdy and, and his popularity and then also kind of responsibilities of of teams and players like the rookie hazing and the rookie dinner got me thinking. And I know we got to run here in a minute. Uh, what is it? Normally, quarterbacks will get their offensive line gifts. Like generally around this time of the year, Christmas, you know, you protected me all year. I'm going to give you a Rolex. I think that's what Jimmy Garoppolo has done for his offensive linemen in the past. Is Brock pretty on the hook for that this year? He's played in three games. His game on Christmas Eve will be his fourth, his third start. Uh, He's making $3.7 million over four years. Is Brock pretty on the hook for five, six, seven Rolexes? Where does he draw the line? I mean, Does Jimmy Garoppolo chip in here? He played most of the season. Does Trey Lance chip in? We have to get to the bottom of this as well, Evan, because I'm not sure it's fair that Brock Purdy has to to be getting everyone a Rolex when when he's just been the starter for a few weeks. Yeah, we will put on the detective caps and get back to you on (laughs) Friday as to what we think should happen as well as all as what may or may not happen. We'll try and get to the bottom of it, but that'll wrap up this episode of the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Mark, my man, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Looking forward to Saturday, some Christmas Eve football, and we'll talk to you guys again around then. Yeah, we'll talk to you on Friday. Look out for that episode before Christmas Eve's game against Washington. Week 16, Niners are coming down to the stretch, and they got a big one against the Commanders. We'll break that down coming up next on the 415ers podcast. Thank you for tuning into this one. We'll talk to you next time.